0: You guys. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Hey, I'm Corey. Uh, I just first want to just tell you guys that I'm really grateful to be here. I'm really grateful for this church. Um, many of you know my family and I, and we came to uh, Ohio in 2004 to be a part of this church plant, and it has been an amazing joy for us, almost like almost like one of our kids. You know what I mean? It's been so good for us to see the growth of this church, see it from the beginning, and just watch this church grow. And I'm thankful for just everything about it. I really enjoy it. And I also want to say thank you, uh, because many of you know that my wife and I, we serve in Indonesia. We work in Indonesia as missionaries. And and if you give to this church, then you are supporting us significantly, um, because this church plays a huge role in keeping us over there. And I just want to say I appreciate that. Um, now, I don't do this very often. This whole getting up in front of people and talking kind of makes me nervous. I get pretty uncomfortable, to be honest. I really do. But um, this is what my third time preaching in this church in this kind of a context. I love dialogue. I love talking with people, but having like a monologue type of thing, it just makes me nervous, you know? Having all you stare at me, you know? It just, it makes me nervous. But I'll tell you something, the more I do it, the more comfortable I become. And so, uh, anyway, so just have some, just be gracious to me. Don't like have these massive expectations of this, of me as a speaker, but really depend on the Lord's word just to be uh, working in your lives, so... So I said earlier, I'm a missionary. And so that means I'm going to talk about missions, right? That's just normal. So, but I want, before we talk about that, I'd like to talk about the term and concept missionary. It's very easy for us to go, oh, okay, a missionary is somebody who packs up their family and moves to a particular location so that they can do ministry. <clears throat> and I would like to clear that up right now, and that is not true. That is, missionary means somebody who is on a mission. Somebody who's on a mission to complete the task that God has given us. And there is nobody in this room that believes, if you guys believe in Jesus, you say that he is, he is your savior and you say that he has done enough and all, all that is needed so that you can be saved, then that, that means that you guys too are missionaries. Now you may not like that, that term, okay, and that concept, but it's because we have some misconceptions of what it means, all right? Um, it means, oh, well, if we're a missionary, then maybe we, we go this, and we go do that, and we go do that. But the truth is, a mission you can be very much a missionary in the context in which you live and still be very much a missionary, okay? Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I would like for us to, just to really, just to see some of the things that God has to teach about that through this text that we're going to look at today. It's in John chapter 4. So if you guys would turn to your Bibles in that, um, to there. And while you're doing that, I want to just share with you something that was a good lesson for me um, this past summer. I was blessed to be able to go to a men's retreat from, with another Cornerstone Church that is in California, and it was really fun. It's a guy's trip, and we they rent a bunch of houseboats and go to a lake and have fun doing, you know, lake-type stuff. But also, just there's just a lot of good discussion, and The topic of the weekend was about just the bigness of God and the greatness of God. And just, you know, knowing that Jesus has, you know, fire in his eyes when we think of him in in heaven and the way Revelation describes him, he is a massive, massive God. And yet, you know, we oftentimes don't think of him that way. Now why do I bring that up? Because I bring it up because I have heard this teaching many, many times from this pulpit. I've heard that teaching many, many times from other areas that we have had our gatherings. I've heard that teaching many, many times when I even listened to Francis Chan teach it in Cornerstone and Simi Valley. But it was still something I had to hear that day, okay? Now, this is is normal for us. If we don't have things brought to the forefront of our mind, it's very easy for us to forget it. And so... I know very well that this passage that we're going to discuss today was taught over a year ago in this place from a different person. And that's okay with me. That's okay with me because we need to be reminded. We all need these reminders. And I just pray that it will serve you well. So let's read it. We're going to start in verse 1 and go all the way through 42. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Let's pray. God, I just really give you thanks for the opportunity that we have as a body to get together, um, to worship you together, to hear your word and be changed by it together. And I ask God that that's exactly what it would do, that it would... It would meet us where we need to be met. It would help us to grow in our relationship with you, in our adoration of you, um, and and also in our likeness of you, Lord. And so I thank you that you've given me this opportunity to share the things that you have taught me through this text. I pray now, Lord, that you just help me in my weaknesses as I'm ill. Um, help me, God, too, just to be a blessing um, to these people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned earlier that you're a missionary, and that's not unfounded. That's not just something a guy who lives overseas decides. I'm just going to say that to you. You know, um, if you're spiritual, then you'll be like me. You know, I'm not. That's not. I'm not just coming up with something. This is something that the Bible gives us a significant um, teaching on. There's so many passages in Scripture, and the one that I love more than any. Uh, is First Peter chapter two, and it's just where Jesus, where, where Peter is just talking to us about the people of God. If we are indeed the people of God, if we confess belief in Jesus, then we, as the people of God, are a priesthood, a priesthood. I love that picture because what a priest's job is is to is to communicate God's word to other people. That's his job, and so if we are the people of God, then we it is our job to proclaim. His Excellencies and teach his word to the rest it doesn 't matter if you move overseas it doesn 't matter if you go to work it doesn 't matter they're, they're, the the description the job description for each of us is very much the same and now this passage that we 're talking about you probably kind of got like freaked out because Tony teaches like every verse, every word. And if I'm going to teach this, it's going to be like forever, right? But I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to extract some things from the text that have really helped me uh, just in my walk and just share it with you. Um, so kind of, we're just going kind to of, kind of look at some big picture items in here. So I'd like for us to hone in on the intentionality of Jesus in this passage, all right? Now, I'm not, I'm not there, I wish that I could tell you every waking moment of my life was an intentional moment. It was me being on mission, really trying to minister the gospel. Um, I'm not. I, I get distracted by foolish things. I read the news, and I'm like, that's the war I need to go fight. What I just read, that's what I need to get involved in. And it's not. I really need to stay focused on the, on what God has called me to do. Uh, but the cool thing is, is I was far worse off. There was a day when I would read the scripture, and I just really wouldn't respond to it. It just didn't do a whole lot to me. Um, I, I would say that I was pretty young in my faith, and I was growing in, in my understanding. But, now, but but there was a time when I would read when Jesus said, you could go and preach the gospel, and go and share the truth with your friends, and I'd be like, mm, nah, not really. That's not for me. And But so God is growing me in that, and I still have a long way to go. And I know that's true for you guys. I know there's areas, there's some of you in this room who... I'll talk about this stuff, and you just be kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure if that's for me. Um, and there's some of you who are like, man, I just need this stuff. But the truth is, we're all in a, in a place where God can work in us and grow us. He's done that to me. I know very much he can do that to all of you as well. So, the intentionality of Jesus. Jesus is so intentional, and some of the things that he does just blow my mind. And the first thing I'd like to talk about is how Jesus was very intentional to destroy. And I mean completely obliterate discrimination, all right? Tony talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, when he talked about the leper in Luke chapter 5, well, the thing that I just really love is that Tony pointed out is that Jesus puts his hand on this man, right? This man is, is unclean by definition. Many, uh, there are probably people around him that are watching him, going to touch him, and they're like, no, don't do it, you know? It's like, don't do it, that's going to be awful, but Jesus is like, but his point is, is, I'm going to show that I am not, I'm not partial to anybody. I, I want all people to come. And, and the, what's really cool is he just takes it a step further in this particular passage. So let's unpack it and kind of see how he does that. Um, to, to understand how he destroys discrimination, we have to understand a little bit of history here. Now, since the Old Testament has like over a hundred verses that talk about Samaria, we're not going to talk about a ton of history because we'll be here forever just talking about that. But to simplify it, this is Judea. Remember, Jesus is going from Judea to Galilee. Here's Galilee. Well, smack dab in the middle is Samaria. Okay. Now, you could go around this way or this way, or you could go right through But Jesus was intent on going through Samaria, even though there was a lot of hostility. And the hostility is basically just simply because um, there was some some people who took the Israelites captive, and they ended up intermingling and intermarrying the people that were in the area of Samaria. The Jews that were there and and their captors, they ended up intermarrying. And this was totally forbidden in the Old Testament, all right? Big time forbidden. And it's not because God was racist. God is not racist. He is all about keeping people committed to him, and he knew what would happen is these people would then intermarry with these people who had different beliefs, and then they would end up abandoning the truth, okay? And that's exactly what happened in Samaria. Samaria, the Samaritans were not people who said, yes, the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi is, is the word of God, okay? That's, we have 39 books in the Old Testament, right? And they said, no, only five of them count, only five, the first five, the ones that Moses wrote, those are the ones that we believe. All the rest, nah. And you can kind of see this. You see this in, in Jesus' discussion with the woman, right? She says, hey, we worship here, and you guys say you worship there. Well, Jesus is kind of like, well, that's because we worship from what we know, and we have the whole of God's word, and so we take all that into consideration. That's why we worship here. And you guys worship there because you only take this little portion of it. And so you make the best conclusion you can. You say this is where we've got to worship. So you can see, even in that little conversation, that, uh, just the truth of that. And so, but Jesus, and so there's some major hostility, and, and like uh, this isn't just something I'm, I'm making up. It's actually fun to look in the, in the New Testament and see how this actually plays out. In John chapter 8, um, Jesus in classic form is having a conversation with Pharisees, the religious l- uh, rulers, right? And he's confronting them. He's like, you guys are hypocrites, and and they don't like that. I mean, who would, right? So they don't like it. And one of the things, that's, it's kind of funny to listen to them respond. They say to him, are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I'm saying, well, I guess you like Samaritans, don't you? I mean, it's like you just assume that if you're a Samaritan, you have a demon, right? They knew full well he wasn't from Samaria. They knew that. But it was just their way of just jabbing him and saying, look, you're, you're just a Samaritan. You're a demon-possessed man. Who are you to speak into our lives, Right? That's what they're essentially saying, but it doesn't just go that like just from Jews to Samaritans. Samaritans don't necessarily feel real great about, about the Jews as well, and you see that in Luke um, chapter nine. This is funny because this is another instance where, where Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. Now, kind of going the other way, and he goes through um, Samaritan or Samaria. His disciples go ahead of him. All right. And and as they're going, the Samaritans basically stop them and say, where are you heading? They're like, we're we're here to prepare for Jesus to come through because we're going to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans are like, oh, you're going to Jerusalem. Well, why don't you just keep on going? We don't really want you here, right? And so his disciples are like, well, you know what, Jesus? I think we should call down fire from heaven to burn these people to death, right? And so I'm thinking not a whole lot of, like, you know, hospitality and, you know, mutual enjoyment between these two people groups. But Jesus, that's true, but Jesus didn't have a problem with that. Jesus, that may be an issue between these two people groups, and Jesus was very much Jewish, but he didn't care about that. In fact, there's all kinds of barriers he breaks down in this, and I just want to kind of just talk through them, talk through the things that he does, and then talk about how that, how we do at that, okay? And the first one is race, okay? So the Samaritans were Jews that intermarried with their captors, remember? So they basically formed a new race, an unpure Jewish race, all right? So Jesus does not have a problem being intentional to reach out to somebody who is of a different race, okay? Now, in this, in this church, before I came here, or before I came here, before I came back from Indonesia, uh, I, was, I was really expecting it to be very similar to what it was, this church was very, forgive me, very white. You know what I mean? Um, but there is obvious, obviously a lot of growth in how this church has grown. Um, it's just become a significantly more racially diverse church. And I love it. I love it because it really models what Jesus does. It models that Jesus is not about, he is not partial to any type of race. But we, on the other hand, are. And I know that you might be able to look in this room and say, well, no, no, I'm pretty good. But what about, like, when you have a bad run-in with somebody at work? Maybe he's from Bangladesh or something, right? And you just, he's got this, he's got a bad attitude. He's just kind of arrogant. He doesn't speak English to you very well. So you just kind of assume, you know what? People from Bangladesh, they're jerks. I don't really like them. You know what I mean? We, we do that. We have, we come to conclusions way too quickly when we have some kind of bad run-in with people. I know I do. And maybe I'm alone, and if I am, then forgive me. But I, I'm pretty sure that we do that. Another thing we do is we, well, we, we come to conclusions based on something that we hear, which is ridiculous. For example, I had this guy, <clears throat> when I was in California on that men's retreat, I, was, I spent some time with my mom, and I met this Chinese guy. <clears throat> and he said, oh, I would never live in Indonesia. And I'm like, why is that? And he said, because they hate Chinese people there. I'm like, really? You know that... Chinese people own, like, the majority of the commerce in Indonesia. Like, they know that if it weren't for the Chinese people, then this would be, this would be dead. Well, but my uncle said that. And I'm like, well, it's not true. He's like, yes, it is. All right, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not true. I mean, they, they can vote. They're not second-class second citizens. They're, they're taking up a pretty significant... Um, there's a pretty significant population of Chinese people in Indonesia. And so this guy just automatically comes to a conclusion, Indonesians hate Chinese people, just because of something he heard. And you guys, we got to be careful about that, because we do that. We watch the news, and we draw conclusions about how we feel about different countries and races. And that's ridiculous. It's really ignorant, especially because before I came here, I thought America was going to be a very different country, you know, after being away for three and a half years. Because why? Because all I'm doing is reading the news. And it was just absurd. I come back and things are much different than I anticipated. So, um, <clears throat> religious groups. So Jesus, he's, he knows that these people have a different religion. If you, if you abandon a majority of the Bible, then I would say that you probably don't believe the same types of things that we believe. That's what Jesus is saying, Right? You believe this much, we believe this much. So this is, you're abandoning a big portion of what we b- believe to be God's word. Then I'm going to think that they're going to have some different beliefs. Jesus doesn't, isn't bothered by that. He's not affected. In fact, he's intentional to pursue people who have different beliefs. And so how do we do with that? I mean, are you, are you intentional? Not, not willing, not just willing, but intentional to say, to in, engage with a conversation with somebody who has a different belief system than you do, with a Mormon, with a Jehovah's Witness, what about a Muslim? Okay, we live in an area that's got a lot of Muslims, you guys, and they intimidate us. Why? Well, just because you know we we have some pretty bad false conceptions, similar to what I just talked about with the race issue, and but Jesus, he's not interested in that. He's not interested in letting that be a barrier so that he can move forward and have. And engage this person. Because what he wants is he wants to grow the kingdom of God. He wants to see the kingdom of God grow. And he doesn't care about these silly little things like differences in beliefs and differences in race. He also doesn't care about the differences in gender. So it was very culturally inappropriate for Jesus as a man to engage in a conversation with a woman. But you know what? Jesus didn't have a problem because Jesus cares about the kingdom of God all right? Because he wants to grow the kingdom of God, it's not a problem for him, all right? Now, for us as men, we would be wise to do what Jesus does. If Jesus can engage in a relationship with, with a woman or a conversation with a woman appropriately, then we ought to do the same. But the problem is we're, we're so wrapped up and caught up in, wow, she looks hot, you know? Wow, this, and wow, what about that? And man, I really shouldn't talk to her because of this and that. It's because we don't have the same type of attitude that Jesus shares. Jesus is not really interested in what she can do for him physically. Jesus is interested in her soul. And it would be very different for us if we would be interested in her soul. You know what I'm saying? So, culture. I live in in Indonesia, and where we live, it's 99% Muslim. Okay? The whole... The whole culture is built around Islam, okay? The whole thing. You don't have a birthday party at 5 o'clock, you know what I mean? Because that's Makrīb, and that's when they're going to come, and they're, that's when they're going to have their big gathering every single day, um, just shortly after that, actually. If we go have a party then, guess what? Nobody will come. And so there's just a lot of just culture that is built simply because of their religion. And it's very true. If you go to, if you go to Judea or Galilee at that time, the majority Jew, they're going to have a pretty significant influence into their, or into their culture. Their religion is going to have significant influence into their culture. We don't understand that. I mean, we, we live in a country where, where we have, you know, we have some things that are, that are Christian in our country, and there's some Christian influence, but this is not a Christian country. You know what I mean? It's not 99% Christian. If it was, it would look very, 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 very different, okay? But these places not like that these places are their culture is very different because of their beliefs and the things that they value so what do you and jesus doesn't have a problem with that even though this i'm walking into a different place a place that that probably smells different it's got different types of foods it's not a problem with him i had a i had a uh, a guy from uh that lived in where was he from he was from latvia so close to russia that lived next to me when i when i when i lived here and we would talk and in the yard, and it was great. But one day, he actually asked me to come to his house, and I was all for it. And then I stepped in, and I'm like, whoa, what is that smell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was really, like, offensive to me. And, and then got more into his house, and it's just decorated really weird. And I was just really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It really bugged me. And, and I know that's a human tendency when we get out of our culture and we start like engaging into something else a different type of culture it makes us pretty uncomfortable but I but then I had to tell myself you know what I really want to be able to minister this guy because I've talked to him many times and I and and the only way I'm going to really get to is if if I just do this and it was hard but I did it and it And and eventually, uh, now I live in Indonesia, so now it's kind of normal, you know what I mean? But but at that particular time, probably one of the first times as a Christian, I was having to make a decision, if I really want this guy to come to Jesus, I'm going to have to just get over this silly little thing, okay? Jesus does that, and we should too. Enemies. My guess is, if you call me, you tell me I have a demon, and I'm like, yeah, well, I want you to burn to death then we're probably not friends. You know what I mean? My guess is. And, and that's what was going on between Jews and Samaritans. Please don't come here. We don't want you here. You know, just no good stuff going on. But Jesus, again, demonstrates, I'm, I'm not going to let my enemy keep me from ministering to this woman. I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, we're enemies, so, so I can't talk to this person about me. You know, in fact, I'm going to make an intet- intentional effort to cross that bridge to engage this person, even though we are considered to be enemies. Now, enemies come from all different, different circumstances. I mean, maybe a guy wrongs me, he says this, I'm like, whatever, don't want anything to do with you anymore. But the other thing is, if you deny Jesus, if you say Jesus is not who he said he is, then you are essentially an enemy of Jesus. So what that means, you guys, is that the people that you are ministering to or that you're living among, living in the neighborhoods, people that you're working among, people that you're shopping from, if they deny Jesus, they are essentially your enemy. Okay? Because you, you are one with Christ. And so if if he is an enemy of Christ, he's an enemy of yours. But it doesn't even matter because Jesus said to love your enemies. You know what I mean? He said to pursue your enemies. He's demonstrating here intentionally engage with your enemies. You know, but we, we're like, but I'm American. Well, I mean, we like to go to war. You know what I mean? Like, And so, so, and we just, it's in our mind that we have to be like against against people. We have to be intentional to not affiliate ourselves with people who we go to war with, right? And so, But Jesus, on the other hand, he's very anti-cultural. He's very, he's not not anti-cultural. He is not conforming to the cultural standard. Our cultural standard is not to engage with our enemies, but rather to not not engage with them. And Jesus, on the other hand, says, nope, if they're my enemy, I'm going to intentionally pursue them. And we ought to do the same. This will be the last one. Sin. So this woman, Jesus confronts her. In the conversation, he says... Uh, bring your husband here. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you're right. You've had five. And the man that you're with now actually is not your husband either. So the woman's like, oh, man. Right? So, so he's, he's not like, oh, I will only talk to those people who are like me. Uh, in fact, I will pursue the woman who is probably a major outcast in this society. And she was. You can kind of pick that up When it says uh, that she came, that that he sat by this well at the sixth hour and then she ended up coming, what that really means is the sixth hour is six hours plus six a.m., okay, the sixth hour of the day. So at 12 noon, in the heat of the day, she's deciding, I'm going to go get my water, where in most cases, uh, women would go get their water for their, you know, just for their needs in their home in the mornings and in the evenings. And so she was like, well, because of my promiscuous lifestyle, people are not real interested in being my friend, and so the best time to go is noon, so I don't have to hear all the garbage that they want to say to me, you know? And so that's the whole reason why they're even in this particular place in the first place, because of her, uh, they're having this conversation simply because of her sinful lifestyle and her sinful patterns. Jesus doesn't have a problem and makes an intentional effort to pursue her. That can be uncomfortable, all right? You have a woman who in this area who was really considered to be kind of trashy. You know what I mean? And people were like, keep away from her. Well, we do the same thing. Maybe not with this particular type of situation, but how, do we, how are we when it comes to engaging in, our, in a conversation, relationship, intentionally with somebody who is practicing homosexuality? You know, that can be a little bit... That can be pretty uncomfortable for us because we have these strong feelings about stuff like this. Well, I guarantee you Jesus has strong feelings about the type of relationship that this woman has been in and is in currently. And so what about, what about things like, like somebody who has been convicted of a sex crime and is a sex offender? And those people, make, it makes us a little bit nervous. But the truth is if we model Jesus, we will pursue intentionally people like that. And that makes us, well, I don't know if I want to buy into that. That's pretty tough. And I, I understand that. I understand the feeling because I'm human just like you all. I understand that. But if we want to model Jesus, then we will pursue people in spite of their sinful habits and sinful lifestyles. Okay? Okay. <clears throat> now, some of us are pretty good at being intentional to pursue these people, these t- the, these, these, overcome some of these barriers that we talked about just last week in Life Group on Sunday night, um, Tom Lawson, he was just sharing about how in his workplace, there's all these people that are coming from all over the world to do their residency at, at this Ohio Medical Center that he works at. And he's like, it just dawned on me, he's like, man, these people they, they come here and they do have any friends or anything, you know? They, he said, I have got to do something about that. I have got to be intentional to meet these people where they are. So he's having people to his home, over to his home, having dinner with him for, you know, five hours, having conversations, giving him good food and really trying to engage into their lives, being intentional in spite of the very many differences, okay, cultural, race, you name it. He is still very intentional. I love that. I was so encouraged when I heard that. But I also know that we're not all there, all right? We're not all making those intentional efforts like he is and, and it would be something that we really need to be working through, you guys. Number two, Jesus is very intentional in his conversation. And this is where you guys go, oh, no, like, <laughs> this scares me, all right? This means the missionary is going to say we have to go to the mall and we have to sit down next to people and talk to them about Jesus. And I'm not saying that. If you want to, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's great. I'm not saying that, okay? Because what was going on with Jesus, he was going from A to B, Right, He was going from Judea to Galilee. He decides, I'm going to go through Samaria because most people would think that this is bad. And so he says, I'm going to intentionally go through Samaria. And he's tired. I mean, who can be, right? So he takes a break, has a seat next to this well, right? And then this woman ends up coming. So it's not Jesus going to the mall, sitting down with the intention of sharing the gospel. But it is Jesus going through Samaria So in his normal, like, he's going from here to here, and just his normal daily things, it is him going to a particular place and being intentional to share the gospel with people. And what this means is, we need to be looking, like he did, for simple ways to include truth in our conversations. This woman's coming to get water. And he's like, okay, how can I think of how to... You know, convey truth in this particular circumstance, and he does it, okay if we are intentional to look for ways to put truth into the conversation, truths that we have learned in church, truths that we've learned from reading the Bible, from reading books and being in our life groups and Bible studies, we will be so we will talk so much more about Jesus than we would be if we were not, okay you will not always have the opportunity to even to speak into a, into a circumstance. You won't always. But you will have a lot more if you try. You know, if you are intentional like Jesus, looking for an in, you will, you will. You will have all kinds of opportunity. It doesn't mean that you have to be this guy who is so, like, well-versed and able to talk about for hours and hours and hours, Okay? This means that if you try, if you are intentional, and you speak even for 15 seconds, that you are being a part of planting seeds and watering, just like what he talks about later. Okay? You may... I... I when I was... Uh, I, would, I would go out and I would share with people, and I'm, I had people tell me things, and I don't mean to say this arrogantly. I had people tell me things like, wow, man, I couldn't do that. I'm like, well you should have seen how I was back then. Like, I, when I first started sharing with people, I was just like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know hardly anything as far as like, you know, what the Bible was. Even some basic doctrines, I was not there. And, and I would walk away. I, I would get to, you know, put little nuggets of truth in. And I would walk away from conversations going, man, I just got rocked. Like this guy had, he said this. And I didn't know how to answer him. You know what I mean? I did not know what to say. And you know what I do? I go home, and I study, and I learn about it, and then the next time it comes up, I'm able to answer it. Now, one of the things we do, we need one, some of the uh, truth that we hold to when we do share with people is Mark thirteen eleven, And this is where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit. I love the verse. I love it because... Because it can give me some, some encouragement and strength to go in. But there's another verse that I love because it really helps me to understand why in the world couldn't I have answered that question when that guy had it. And it's in, and it's in John 14:26. Jesus says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And what that means is the Holy Spirit, he brings to remembrance the things that we have learned they don't just magically come, okay? So when we read in Mark 13, 11, where he says that he will give you the words, he will give you the words. He will give you the words based on the things that you've already learned about Jesus, okay? That's why now when I have that conversation with somebody else, I know how to answer it because I went and I pursued understanding how to speak to these people about this particular subject. And every time I speak to them and they bring it up, I know how to answer it, you know? But it, I didn't know how to answer it before. The Holy Spirit didn't couldn't grab it out of my brain and bring it forward because it wasn't there, you know? And so, yes, we depend on the Holy Spirit to give us the words to speak, but yes, we have to study truth so that in the in the times where we do speak, he can bring that forward so we can actually say what needs to be said. Okay? That makes sense? Good. Um, one thing I really want to encourage us in though is don't feel like you have to tell everybody everything. Okay? I know this is what keeps us from doing it to be honest. When we have when we have an opportunity to speak into a situation, sometimes we're like, oh I don't have an hour. I, I guess I can't do it. Well <laughs> but you have five seconds and maybe you can say something that would that would help them you know correct their thinking or at least have some kind of an opportunity to understand what is true about a situation, okay? And the reason why is, once again, Jesus, he said, this is more than a one-man operation. He said, we have one person who sows and another person who reaps, okay? He didn't say, you do it all. He said, this is a multi-person operation. For me, I, I listened to people teach me about the gospel for years, many, many years. And it wasn't one guy from one church, it, was, it wasn't two guys from one church. It was this guy from that church, this guy from another church, this guy from something else. And I was, in all of these experiences, I finally, you know, Jesus just brought all those things to culmination at one particular point, and I was able to give my life to Christ. It wasn't because of one person. I'm thankful for every single one of those people. And so, don't feel like I've got to get Every, it's a, it, was, it was failure if I didn't get to share the entire gospel. Well, the reality is, guys, I mean, you would need days, you know what I'm saying, to really convey um, just the depth of God's truth to the people. <clears throat> Our last intentional one. Jesus is very intentional to let others see him share the gospel. Now, the disciples were not comfortable in this situation, okay? They're coming with Jesus, you know they're not comfortable. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not willing, but they're not comfortable, okay? You can kind of see it in, in some of the conversation. Um, for example, when he's talking to Jesus, or I'm sorry, when Jesus is talking to the woman, in verse 8, or in verse 27, they come back and they're marveled. And they're like, why are you talking to her, you know? They're, they're thinking that. They don't say it because they know Jesus is like, he's all about these Samaritans, even though they're, they're not necessarily Right? Remember, they're the same guys that said at a different time, burn these guys to death. You know what I mean? So they're not, they're not super thrilled about being there. In fact, just so you guys know, in Luke 9 where that did occur, that was after this experience. After them seeing Jesus be so intentional. So we're all in process, you guys, okay? Um, so, but in verse 8, you see that they went to go get food. Now, this matters. This makes a difference. Because these people, they were so, the Jews were so anti-Samaritans. So, I mean, not, maybe not everybody, but they were very much anti-Samaritans. So for them to actually go and, and say, okay, we're willing to eat, that's tough. I mean, I know what, that, what that's like, you guys. I'm not anti-Indonesians, but it's hard enough even being friends with these people and eating their food, let alone if we were enemies, you know what I mean? So, so these people, the, the Jews are actually really trying to make an effort here. They're trying. It's hard for them because of all of their prejudices, it's hard for them because they just they just don't feel comfortable, but they're willing to do it. It's hard for me to stand up here and talk to you guys because I don't feel comfortable doing it. But the more I do it, the more I feel comfortable doing it. Okay? It's not because I have all the answers. It's just because I, I just understand that this is what I'm built to do. And we are all built to do this, you guys. So... One of the things Jesus does is he brings people along so that people can see what he's doing, all right? He's letting his disciples see him. Now, some of you are really good at talking with people, all right? Some of you are really good at engaging and very intentional to talk about the gospel, talk about truth with others. Some of you aren't, okay? Some of you are just nervous, and I understand that. But you know what, you know what Jesus' solution is to that? To model it. To model it. So the, good, the guy that's good at it models it for the guy that's not so good at it. Okay? So we need to do that. And sometimes... It's, it can be very simple. You know, one guy... Uh, or Tom Lawson is inviting somebody to come to his home. And one of the people that is, in, is in, in, in his life group that gets intimidated by having these conversations can join him. And just hang out. Okay? You don't even have to say anything. I mean, you can. But you don't have to. Just to watch and learn. Okay? And even in our life groups, when we get together, like, if you're, if you're sharing with somebody, give me the details. I want to know how that conversation went so that I can be built up, so I can learn how you have these conversations, the answers you give to people when they have questions. So if I'm weak and you're strong, I want to hear. So let's be intentional, you guys, to show how we do this, and it will make a big difference. And the reason why this matters... <coughs> is because, because well, I, I should back up. I should say, why why in the world do we have to be intentional the way Jesus is? Well, because if we are intentional in overcoming these barriers and the way we speak to people, if we're intentional with allowing our witness to be seen by others in the church, man, God will change lives, you guys. God changes lives when people are living the way Jesus does and conversing the way he does. And so quite simply, you guys, a conversation with people will change people's lives. It will change lives, okay? Um, This woman, the woman at the well, her life was changed by a conversation, okay? Now, obviously, God is the one who is working, and we know that it's his spirit who is moving in people, but he uses the conversation to accomplish that, Okay, so it's a conversation. We have conversations all day long, you guys. Now, if we would be intentional to take those conversations and shift them and make them about Christ, man, what could happen? For this woman, it was, I'm going to go run and tell these other people, I just met the Messiah of God. She was stoked. She was so excited. She ran, she tells these guys, and then these guys come, and they then get to experience Jesus firsthand. So not only does it change a life, it changes many lives, you guys. It, it, it can move from one person to many. And you know what's really cool? It doesn't stop at this village. All right? Jesus ends up moving forward after all of his ministry, getting crucified, and God raising him from the dead. And he gives a command in Acts chapter 1 for them to go to multiple places, for his disciples to go to multiple places. One of those places is Samaria. Chapter 8 of Acts, guess what's going on? All kinds of preaching in this, these villages in Samaria. Chapter 9, this is my favorite part. Chapter 9, verse 31 says... So, the church, this is after all kinds of work that has been going on. So, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. So, no more Judea and Galilee and we don't like Samaria. It's Judea, Samaria, and Galilee united in Christ, you guys. That's awesome. Now, it can't happen if we're not gonna be intentional. If we're not gonna to try to overcome these barriers of people with different cultures, races, sinful issues, whatever. It's not gonna happen if we don't if we don't try to put truth in our normal everyday conversations with people. And it's not gonna happen if we're not discipling each other and having the people who are who are well-versed and, and really capable of doing a good job evangelizing, showing those who are not how to do it. So, let's be intentional, you guys. It'll change things. Conversations will change lives, people. All right? Let's pray. God, I just give you so much thanks. Um, God, because you gave... I had many conversations with somebody and another person, and another, and another God, and that led to my hope in you. That, I know that's true for anybody in this room who believes in you, Lord. Somebody had to have a conversation with them, or they had to hear something from the mouth of a pastor, or, or read something in a book, or they opened your Bible and came to an understanding. But have we do not grow without conversing, Lord. And God, I just pray that this church would be a church filled with people who are so intentional to speak your truth, so intentional to reach out to people that are just not them, not like them, Lord. And I pray that your salvation would, God, it would just move forward and, Lord, that many people would come to know you because of the intentional efforts that we make make as your people, Lord. We love you. Thank you so much for your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.